0: Practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box.
1: Hi, this is Sarah. Welcome back to part 2 of my interview with Chris Michael Harris. You might remember that Chris is the founder of Startup U, the host of the Startup U podcast plus Startup U TV. He's a speaker and a performance coach and he runs a very successful business helping others be just as successful without compromising their health or well-being. If you recall from the first part of my interview with Chris, we talked in depth about how he reacted when he got the wake-up call from his doctor that he needed to radically change how he was living his life or he would be dead before he was 40. Um, And he got this information when he was like at the height of running these multi-million dollar businesses in his late 20s. So we're going to pick up on that conversation and spend today's episode, talking about how he moved through that and transitioned what he learned into successfully and healthfully running his business today and sharing that with others who want to do the same. Enjoy this episode. How did you get through it, though? I mean, who supported you or did you have support going through it? It sounds like your girlfriend, now wife, was there along the way.
2: Yeah, so she was in many ways, uh, was and is my guardian angel because she was constantly trying to find new recipes. And, you know, at one point when things were really, really bad, I was down to five foods that I could eat. That's it because I was having such a crazy inflammatory response to everything that I ate. Uh, and so she was constantly, you know, making sure that I had things that I needed or finding alternatives for me and finding new recipes or being encouraging. Um, that was one side of it. And then the other side is kind of looking at the hierarchy of needs. Uh, because I had to exit and, and, you know, leave that business, that multi-millionaire company that I built in my mid-20s, right? I had to leave that business because it was that or, you know, Doc saying you're going to die. Like, I'm not, you know, no business is worth me actually dying for. Um, and so, you know, I kind of I kinda made my health my full focus. And that was really challenging because people like me, people like you listening, um, we are, we're business owners. And so we're very, even when we're not working, we're working right? Like we're constantly thinking about what we can be doing in our business. How do we achieve more? How do we do more? Right. And so it's really difficult to just sit and like do nothing. I would say like some, you know, some people would think they hit the lottery. They just go apply for, you know, unemployment, or disability, and pff, they're good to go the rest of their lives. They got a check coming in every week. Uh, for us, that's not the case, right? Like we're, we're devastated. So, so for me, uh, that's when I fell into online, right? So it's like, what can I do? Uh, so I started doing the podcast, uh, and thankfully. Um and, and, you know, God provided just an amazing opportunity because that, that show just started trending out of nowhere, landed a bunch of big guests. And that was like personal mentorship, uh, got involved with programs. So I was providing service to other people, helping them wisdom, working, helping my wife. She built a multi-millionaire company while I was sick, which is amazing. Uh, I'm not taking credit for that. I, she did it a hundred percent. She would have done it with or without me, but the fact that I was able to contribute made me feel good about still doing something productive, right? So finding ways that I could still do things, even though I couldn't technically do things. And the beautiful thing, and what I've learned now, if we want to get into that, is how you don't have to compromise, how you can do both, right? We've dubbed it now the heart attack protocol. How do you still run a successful business when you can't do the things you used to do? You got to get real smart. You got to address things a little bit differently. You have to learn and become more sophisticated as a business owner. And you have to start thinking like a big, you know, corporate CEO would think that's grown his company to that point, right? And so that's really the process of what I was doing is refiguring out what success actually looked like, not just trying real hard, like I did before, but like, what does actually building a company look like? And how am I going to do this differently going forward?
1: So how did you redefine success for yourself, for your business? Um, You said earlier that, you know, there's that false dichotomy that's up there. You can either, you know, you have to be full right. focused in one area or the other, but you can't have both and you disagreed with that. So right. how do you define success today?
2: Yeah. So I think the the biggest thing, and I, and I, I cannot recommend this book enough. It is my favorite business book of all time, but called the one thing by Gary Keller. He's the founder of Keller Williams, the, the real estate mega powerhouse actually here in Austin where I live incidentally. Had the exact same experience that I had. I mean, reading the book was like I was reading pages that I wrote myself. It was unbelievable where he just pushed and pushed and pushed and then crashed and had a fear. So bottom line is this. This is the, the core premise of the book and what it teaches you how to do. I and mean, you'll have to buy into this orthodoxy because this is the secret. You have to focus on impact over time, right? Because the, the problem is just that we, we're conditioned. We grow up. We go through schooling. We have jobs. And, and the entire premise of that is here are the things you need to do. You need to get them done. And you need to put in the time to get them done, right? You can't come to your teacher and say, well, my success is more conducive to me finishing my math homework and getting this test because that's what I'm going to do long term. And that's the most impact of my life. So I just didn't do that science homework because that's not important right now. Your science teacher would say, okay, zero, you fail, you don't pass on to the next grade. So you just, we have, we have become and we've been trained to become taskmasters. And there's a reason for that, right? It's, it's the whole system is set up so that you can go off and become an amazing taskmaster so you can work for somebody else and get these things done. Now you're a business owner. Now you have to focus on impact. The problem is, is we take our taskmaster, we don't divorce it, which is why I teach people to do, divorce your taskmaster. We try to put the taskmaster in the business owner box and it doesn't work. It's a square peg in a round hole, right? Because the bottom line is this, if you can do three things that lead to massive growth and then you can hire out and find resources to put around you Versus you just juggling all these things, but staying stuck and churning your wheels in the mud, which one, which route are you going to choose? And the obvious answer is I'm going to focus on the impact. The problem is we don't give ourselves permission. And then more importantly, we don't have a methodology to operate with that teaches us how to identify what is that level of impact or how do I establish what is the most impactful thing to begin with? So that was the first and foremost thing. And fortunately, I was forced into that because me doing two to three things a day was all I had the bandwidth for. So I had to focus on those areas of impact because I couldn't do my 20 hour day type work days. So it's a really hard thing. I have a lot of different ways and mechanisms that I teach people how to do that. But that's the general premise of it is impact over time, divorce your taskmaster, focus on the things that are going to move the business forward. And if you want to, I can get into how you can hold yourself accountable to doing that.
1: Yeah, what I'd really like for you to do is is to do a little bit of that because I know that you has you started Startup You and I want to talk about that, but I think right. this is so crucial what you're sharing, Chris. So why don't we go through some of this some of that um and like what you're talking about of how you divorce that and the steps right. and then um maybe the challenge and I, then I really do want for folks to understand what it's like to work with you.
2: Yeah. Okay. So the first thing is a permission. That book is going to give you permission. Learning what success actually looks like, how the, the big players operate, that'll give you the permission to say, this is stupid. Because the problem is, is we, we don't have a, a reference, a frame of reference. We, we don't, we just assume that Mark Cuban's running around doing the taskmaster thing. So, so you need to really immerse yourself into study what they actually do to, to to break that, to give yourself permission to to, to actually file for divorce from that taskmaster. Then what you want to do is, again, well, I'm a big I'm believer, a uh, big believer of habits. What's the new habit? How do we start interchanging, right? How do we start flipping out what we used to do, which is make a list, right? Of all the things we need to do and then wake up in the morning and race it, go and just get all those things done. So what I like to do is this. And I, it's a, it's an acronym. You can use this. I call it paid, P-A-D-E, my paid process. Okay. It stands for prioritize, automate, delegate, eliminate. So the first thing you're going to do. And I felt people trim, students and clients, immediately help trim 30, 40, 50 hours off their work week doing this. I mean, people that are just on the brink of of complete exhaustion and burnout, if not well beyond that, because they're trying to do the taskmaster thing still. So that's fine. We're going to take your list of everything you do. And I recommend doing this on Trello, if you use Trello or, or whatever one you use, taskmaster, tasking type tool, because you're going to want to drag and drop things digitally, right? It's kind of hard to write these things down and move them around. But whatever you want to do, it totally works. Make a list of everything you do, right? And then for the next two weeks, use this tool called Toggle Track. Now it's T-O-G-G-L, Track, okay? That is gonna allow you to literally track your time. So what I want you to do is over the next week, two weeks, anytime you engage in the things you do, so let's say it's creating social media content, let's say it's writing blogs, let's say it's doing interviews like what we're doing right here, right? Creating podcasts. I want you to time yourself to see how long those things actually take, right? we have a really nasty, uh really false perception of actual time. So typically if if, and this is actually proven in studies, if we drive somewhere and it takes 10 minutes one time, even though normally it takes 15, in our minds we tell ourselves we're 10 minutes away from that air that part. So we constantly underestimate the actual time it takes to do things and the actual amount of time we're investing in, in doing things. So the problem is you start filling this box and you're you're totally guessing. You're not you're not using data. And you're thinking I'm spending 15 minutes a day on social media, but in the actuality you're spent when all the nuances included, you're spending 45. Well, right there, we've got a 30-minute margin we didn't, we didn't account for. So already, already we've exceeded probably our bandwidth. Right. So I want you to do the timing aspect for two weeks to figure out what am I actually spending on these things? All these things I do, what am I actually spending? And then we're gonna do is this. Then we're gonna look and say, okay, what are the things that actually make a difference? And however you need to discern that, I recommend looking at the data. If it's something marketing related, go look at your Google Analytics if you're driving a lot of traffic to your blogs, maybe it is something you should be doing. But the areas that you and only you can do, and if you need to really decide, is it something as important that I should be doing, because we have a really bad habit of doing this too, we expect more out of us than we do out of our employees. Right? We don't treat it. So look at it like this. You are the puppet. You're the puppeteer now, right? Would I pay a CEO of a company to do the things that I'm doing? Would I pay myself, if I wasn't myself, if, you know, removing yourself, not, you're not the extension of the business, which we have a bad habit of doing too. If I had this thing that I was running and I was, and I was putting the pieces in place, my chessboard, would I put the main piece doing things that are severely under what that person should be doing for the rate that I'd be paying that person. Now you may say, well, that's impossible, Chris. Like there are things that have to be done and I can't just not do them. Okay. We're going to get to that. But first we're going to take the most important things. We're going to put those under your P under, under paid, right? So now we've got our, we're going to our our acronym here. Those are going to go under there and we're going to figure out how many hours that involves. The single most important things that you can do that you think are going to create impact in your business and, and in your life. Okay. Now from there, most people skip straight to D, which is delegate. So they hire and this happens often. They're focused on their priority list. They're just doing, 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 doing stuff, just managing time. And then they get so burned out. What do they do? they go try to hire somebody. Oh my gosh, I can't do this anymore, I just need to hire somebody. But They don't have any systems, they have nothing established, they just dump it onto somebody. And then that employee doesn't work out because that's a crazy ask and you're so desperate for help that you don't actually indoctrinate them the right way so you just blame the employee and guess what? You prove to yourself that it doesn't work hiring people, that you're the only one that can do the things that you are doing in the business. So you go back to what you're doing before which further promotes the exhaustion, overwhelm, burnout and you start to get a little bit pessimistic about the outlook of the future. Automate is the next part of that process, right? So things that no human should do more than one time. I do podcast appearances all the time just like this. Some people, it's back and forth. They don't have a scheduling tool. It's back and forth. Email email email. When are you available? Well, I have this day. Well, I have this day. 26 30 emails later, we arrive at a at a date that we both can agree upon. That's a waste of time, right? So there are things that we need to automate that don't make sense and or things that we can reduce significantly in the amount of time. So for example, scheduling your posts on social media versus manually posting them every single day. So you can batch your efforts versus having to post manually every single day. Another example, right? So that's what we're going to do first. Before we go to hire somebody, we're going to automate as much as we can. Your first hire should be your tools, period, end of story, right? Then we're going to go to D. Then we get to the part of hiring people because now we've built systems where we have things in place, tools stack in place. Now the things that a human needs to do, but are not things on your, you know, should be under your priority list are going to go to that person. Now, don't go hire somebody for $65,000 a year and say, well, that's what's required because there are sources out there. You can do it on a project by project basis. You can go to Fiverr or Upwork and just say, hey, I don't want to edit my podcast videos or my podcast episodes anymore. That's crazy. So go pay five to $10 to have somebody edit it on Fiverr, right? So you outsource that That's part of that D process there. Or you hire a virtual assistant And you say, I can pay you for five hours a week because here's the deal. They have four or five other clients and they're doing, you know, they're getting 20, 30, 40 hours working for other people, but you're going to commit to five hours, which is going to cost you two, $3 an hour for five hours a week. I mean, it's going to be such a minimal cost. It's going to, you're not even going to notice it. Just cut your Starbucks budget every morning and you've already got to pay for it probably more than that. Then we're going to slowly start to transition, right? Most people go from, I haven't hired anybody. I'm burned out to full-time $70,000 a year salary, (laughs) flip a light switch, you know, and I, No, 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 no. We want to make a slow transition, outsource, part-time VA, slowly train that person into taking on more responsibilities so your VA becomes or your your part-time employee becomes a full-time person because that's what you can afford. You transition to that process, right? So now we've done that. Now we've got those three covered. The last one is eliminate. This was going to be really painful for people, but reading the book, the one thing is going to help you be okay with it. So he says specifically, when you're focused on the one thing, it means there's going to be some chaos in other areas of your life. So what you have to decide is it doesn't mean no forever. It just means no right now, right? So a lot of people are trying to do, and I'll use social media as an example because we all are chasing the shiny objects on social media. Because Gary V tells us, and I love Gary v, I, I use him as an example. I do love Gary V. But just great content. Whoever creates the most content wins. And it's like, yeah, well, Gary, we all don't have 25 full-time employees documenting our lives, posting on social media right? You got to that point, but you didn't start doing that, right? He started just talking about wine with a webcam, you know, on YouTube, right? He you wasn't doing all these other stuff. So don't compare yourself to somebody who's been doing this for 15, 20 years. Focus on one platform. So maybe right now you decide, based off your analytical work that you've done in your market and your audience and your client avatars, is my audience is on LinkedIn. So I have no business being on TikTok right now. Maybe I want to do TikTok down the road. Maybe it makes sense long-term, but right now it doesn't make sense. That goes in the eliminate category. If you love blogs and you know that blogs are where you should be, but right now it just doesn't make a lot of sense. It goes in the eliminate category. Now, the reason I like to do this on Trello and have these all documented is because it's always just the same way I tweak my schedule and, you know, constantly moving things around. Doing it that way allows you to slide things around. All right. So you might have things in your priority list that become non priorities or you find a tool that automates things. You can just drag that over and you also have a reference frame of this is how long those things are actually going to take because I've done them and I've measured that time in accordance with that. Also, when you hire somebody, you know how many hours to commit to because you've done it and now you're dragging those over and saying, yeah, I can commit to 10 hours because I know this takes 10 hours of work to do versus hiring somebody, giving them 20 hours when you have no idea if you actually have 20 hours of work for them. So if you do that exercise and you do it maybe once every six months, maybe once a year, or whenever you kind of feel like things are, you know, getting out of whack, I think you'll find yourself putting, making that mental separation from Taskmaster, feeling like you're in more control but also cutting out just so much waste that you're going to feel like you're getting back up on the horse. You're not just hanging on to the back while your feet drag and your feet and legs drag behind. You know, I think it's going to, you're going to feel much more empowered and it's going to be that kind of pick me up that you've maybe been looking for.
1: That's a, that's a great image. If anybody's ridden a horse or has pulled a horse's tail while they've been walking away, you know how futile that is. So that, that's a really good um, analogy. And I I think it's also important to recognize, um, having gone through these steps, that when you hand off to someone, the more clear you are about your steps and your processes, the easier it is to explain to somebody. But if you are operating as a CEO or someone who knows how to do all this stuff, you need to hire somebody. If your expectation is they can pick it up from the way you do it, you're going to have to hire in at that level or sub out at that level if you're um, using a vendor or plan on taking some time to onboard somebody to your way of working, your expectations, what success looks like um, so they can be successful and you're not constantly um, just churning it. Right. Okay. That person didn't work out. Let's go this way Um, because you can build a really dedicated um, remote team that are all sold solo entrepreneurs, as long as they feel they're making headway and supporting you well, as well. Wow. Um, right. Chris, will you talk a little bit about, um, you know, the typical person who comes to you at StartupU and then how folks can stay connected to you? I want folks to see if like, okay, is this something I'm ready for? You know, is this my right. next, first of all, I agree with you. I love the one thing I read it. I listen to it, mm-hmm. um, that, and, um, well, Michael Hyatt as well, but, yeah, but the, uh, there's just, it's just so helpful to focus. Oh, and Greg the the you know, essentialism, yeah, essentialism. And mm-hmm. the new, his new book is super duper as well. Is it? Oh, it's great. Um, second, Second, listen to on that one already. But anyway, okay. let's talk about Startup U and how someone listening might go, "Okay, I'm in. I'm gonna I'm gonna quit running myself into the ground and do my, you know, take my health back, work smarter, not just harder, um, and have success in multiple areas of my life."
2: Right. Yeah. So Startup U was kind of the brainchild of that first build for me. Uh, I remember constantly telling myself, um, man, if I'd only known this six months ago, I'd avoided such a headache. <laughs> and so I told myself, I'm gonna start a school for this one day, because I wish I'd learned it in school when I didn't. And so that's literally what Startup you became, Startup you like University. Um and so we I, I've been coaching, right? Part of my health recovery was coaching and investing my time and in, in mentorship and stuff like that. Uh so it became time to then take that to the online, you know, course offerings and what have you. So uh, long-term, the vision for Startup U is to have a course offering for any season of your business, right? Uh, to start, we're launching off with Startup Launch Factor is our flagship program. Uh, that basically helps you if you're a new entrepreneur or if you feel like you missed some of the basics uh, or if you feel like you don't really understand how your marketing ties into your market and you're kind of struggling to get lift off. A lot of our our students really benefit from going through it, even though they've already launched their business. Uh, they benefit going through it because a lot of people think, you've got to be this clever marketer or this really like charismatic salesperson. And true truth of the matter is, as we've gone back and reverse engineered it, it's really just delving into your market, finding out what their main challenges and their main pains are, using what they tell you and regurgitating it to them in your marketing, right? So Startup Launch Factory literally takes you uh, from, from beginning to end, how you go through, how do you establish if there's an opportunity in your market, what that opportunity is, using data, not guessing, not just thinking it's cool, But then how do I go actually look at the abundance of information online and data that tells me this opportunity is real, but also too, here's the segment of the market that's underserved. Going and then validating that with actual customers, taking that information, plugging it into, providing the offer that you want, and also your marketing, right? Like I mentioned, using that marketing base off that offer to splinter off into content buckets. So you're using social media, not just haphazardly, just saying, oh, well, this is what I feel like posting today, but very, very specific. You should get to the point where you're running uh, either ads or you're putting up social media posts where people are like, oh my God, I told you Facebook's listening to me because you're so dialed in on who these people are because you've done that work prior to. So we literally take you womb to tomb and then all the way up to the third module of three. We have, we broke it down to three. So it's the crawl, walk and run phase, right? So crawl is basically just really validating everything, getting that nitty gritty data that most business owners just don't know even exists online. Module two, the walk phase, is how do I use this data that I've gathered and put it into these assets? They're going to become my marketing and sales machine. How can I start generating leads and sales at scale? And then module three is how do I then take all of this and do what I was just talking about, which is how do I optimize myself to run this and start growing that beyond where I'm at now, managing a team, hiring people, outsourcing, having the right tool stack, all these various aspects. So it's literally comprehensive Womb to tomb. This is how you start it, validate it. This is how you grow it, scale it. This is how you run it effectively all the way through. So Startup Launch Factory is uh, right now our main focus uh, and we're actually launching a free class. It's going to teach you how you get your first 100 customers in just 100 days as kind of a a prelude to uh, build excitement uh, about the Startup Launch Factory program.
1: So when are you going to run that free class?
2: Yeah, so the class should be live at the time of recording this within the next week or so. Uh, but in the meantime, you can download uh, our ultimate startup checklist. and You'll get instant access and an invite to that class as soon as you do that. So when the class goes live and you get access to it, it's 45 minutes, action-packed. You're going to walk away from that and be like, oh, oh my gosh, I didn't know that it was this easy and I've been making my life way too hard. Uh, you go to USC, like ultimate startup checklist, download.com. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes,
1: but just in case this airs after that, you should still go and get the checklist. Either
2: way, it'll just send you straight to the class, but that's where you start for sure. You want that download anyways. It's like eight pages of stuff that you should be doing. So it's still fantastic. You can pin it on your your wall or have it for a referral or what have you. Either way, that resource is going to be fantastic. And you'll immediately get invited to uh, go through that free class.
1: So I've got a couple last questions for you, Chris. Um, When you or your students or the folks you're working with find themselves stuck in a place, whether it's a literal or figurative place, how do you help them kind of break out of that?
2: Yeah, so I think it's first analysis. Um, I think it's obviously always case by case, but it's first analysis of you know, what's going on, where are you actually spending your time, which is why going through and measuring that time and figuring out what you're actually spending it on is the most important thing that you can do. Because without knowing that, again, you find yourself just hanging on for dear life. So it could be a a combination of things. If it's just purely mechanism, if it's just purely where you're spending your time or how much time you're contributing, that's an easier fix. But there also be some money blocks. There also could be uh, some limiting beliefs that you need to reconcile or work through. There could be things that are deeper than just, you know, running a business. And oftentimes what you find is that there is something more subconscious that needs to be addressed. It's not necessarily the X's and the O's of the business. It's something with you. I always say this, the business is gonna be the beneficiary of you bettering yourself, of you being as healthy as you can be physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. The beneficiary of that is going to be your business and any effort, you know, in relation to that.
1: Thank you for that. Um, and I was just thinking about the beneficiary and going back to when you were talking about gut health, when you said that for all of a I'm thinking, yeah, right? It's like it, what's going in, whether it's, right. you know, into our bodies or our minds or whatever, is yeah, affecting I, other areas of our
2: life. Yeah, I think, I think self-awareness is probably one of the most apt skills you can develop, uh, recognizing, hey, you know, I, I feel stuck or I feel like something's going on. So many of us try to ignore those things. I I say more so on the male side of things than the female side of things. Men are like, well, I gotta be tough and I gotta push through this, right? Uh, And that's what I did. So I think it's one of the most important things you can do or most important skills you can develop is self-awareness to immediately identify when something's off and be willing to start focusing on, okay, what identification, right? What is it? And then how do I go about making the tweaks necessary in whatever area and or finding the resources that you need to make sure that you're moving forward. Another acronym I have for you that might actually be helpful uh, is is my, is my leader protocol. So L-I-T-R. So this should keep you from ever falling into being stuck. Uh, and I won't be as long and drawn out as I was about paid because paid is kind of sounds like the one we really want to focus on, but it stands for learn, implement, test and repeat. So learn, implement, test and repeat. If you do those three things, oftentimes what we do is type A driven type people, we jump straight to implementation. We just start doing stuff. We just jump in and then figure it out and learn, you know, jump off the cliff and I'll build a plan the way down. Problem is that's a painful way to learn and you can do a lot of iterations and not actually hit what you're trying to accomplish, right? Eventually might take a lot of effort, but it's not as strategic as, okay, here's what I need to do. Here's what I've identified as important. I'm going to learn about that first and I'm going to be actionably implementing that while I'm learning. And then the flip side of that, how do I test the things that I'm doing? Because so many times we just do things, we have no idea for if it's working. And more importantly, sometimes it's not about doing more, it's about optimizing what you've already done. So think about a sales page, for example, right? If you're getting people all over a sales page or a sales card even, and your conversion rate is half of what it should be, standard protocol speaking, the answer is not fill up more leads. The answer is get that conversion where it needs to be. Because even in businesses where we've increased our, our conversion rates by 10, 15%, we saw multiple six figure increase in sales with literally no more leads than what we were achieving before. And, or even something as simple as identifying and testing, okay, where are our opportunities? Looking at the numbers, our profit maximizing opportunities, you may just need to increase your price by 10%. And that's going to lead to massive revenue growth and, or making you extremely profitable to go make that higher that you need. But if you're not doing the testing part, you don't have the data to reference, you're going to have no idea. So a lot of us either stay stuck in implementation. Now on the flip side, there's also what I call professional learners where they don't implement. They just think it's the next book. It's the next course. It's the next coach. It's the next mastermind. It's the next boot camp, And they just invest all this money and they need that swift kick in the butt to go implement some stuff. So if you're constantly going through that LIT and then repeat, right? The R on the back end of that is going to constantly promote this notion of, you got, that is, that is a, a cyclical process. As long as you keep going through that iterative process, what you'll find is, is that you're working through efficiently, but you're also getting yourself out of, yeah, you know, I'm kind of that type A that just pushes things. I'm more of that implement guy. I really need to be a little bit more strategic. I need to learn about this before I just jump in head first and then find that I created 12 more messes for myself to accomplish one thing. So that may help, it helps me a lot, uh, but I wanted to bring that up as well.
1: I like the acronym. Um, and as someone who loves to learn, I've learned over time that I have to say that's enough of that and now you have to go like my one big thing sometimes is just get this done then right. you can learn as your reward right, right. you get right. this done it's a big deal thing to do mm-hmm. so, um but you're right if we just learn or plan and we don't act it, it's interesting but not useful not impactful <laughs> yeah So I started by asking you if there's something you do every day that um, keeps you motivated to help people be successful in their startups and their other areas of their life that you're helping them with. Is there a best question that you have either asked somebody or somebody has asked of you that surprised you?
2: A most helpful type of question like a question that I've asked in terms of the feedback they gave me or, um,
1: or just in, so let's go, let's make a situation for you. So you're, you're curious about something or you need help from somebody. And I'm thinking about when you are saying, you know, you, there are things you can do if you're stuck in, you know, different kinds of things. And that you talked about women somehow, some more frequently being comfortable kind of to the self-awareness piece. Right.
2: Right. Um,
1: However, as a man, was there a question that you asked somebody that helped you go? Oh, I'm okay with this. Does that make sense to you?
2: I'm okay with this. In what sense?
1: I'm okay doing self-awareness. I'm okay mm-hmm. digging into this. It's not. Um, it's not a waste of my time. I'm okay being uncomfortable. Whatever you know, because I I know there's that tipping up tiptoeing up to something and going, oh, that's icky. It doesn't feel yeah. great. I don't like yeah. it. But sometimes there's the right question to say, I need help. And, right. it, and we don't ask by saying, I need help, unless it's typically it's a technical thing. I don't know how go,
2: to build a web page. I'll go help. a layer deeper because yeah. I think that that has been more profound for me than even the ask itself. Um, it's, the, it's the reason behind why you're afraid to ask the questions that need to be asked what that question says about you, right? So in my specific example, uh, I grew up in a, in a household where uh, my relationship with my father, I feel like I was always trying to, I was always trying to prove myself to seek his, uh, to seek his approval, right? To seek his praise. And that led to me always constantly trying to prove my worth to others and to myself. And so to maintain that facade, to maintain that identity that I had established where I always had it together. I don't need help because that, that implies that I'm weak and I don't have the answers, right? Gotta prove yourself. And by asking questions, it shows weakness. Showing weakness means I don't know, have it all together, I don't know what I'm doing, right? When I released that, and I, I'm a big believer in, in NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, so I did a lot of deep dive. I've tried various uh, methodology or uh, modalities of NLP. Um, but I did a a RTT, which is a a utilizing hypnosis. When we broke that barrier down, we broke the prove yourself bug. We eradicated that uh, was the most freeing moment maybe of my life. And from that point forward, I was able to ask the right questions. I was able to uh, see myself in a different capacity. To where I'm gathering what I need and it has no reflection on who I am, what I'm doing, or what I've done. Right. So I think that's even more important than the ask is finding out the reason. If you have a resistance to a question that needs to be asked or to something that needs to be addressed, what is that underlying reason? Because until you are, until you pulverize that, until you're able to. Uh, train your amygdala, we call it we, we call it Amy, right? The part of the brain that like stops you and says, no, 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 that's not a safe place. Go back to safe place, right? You can address it rationally and ask the question, but it's going to be so challenging for you and it's not going to be received with the same level of impact that it could be until you really address that underlying problem about what your subconscious is telling you about yourself that's completely false.
1: Lies Labels. Yeah. Yep. Misconceptions. I want to thank you, Chris, so much for being a guest on the No Labels, No Limits podcast. I knew when I read about you and some of your backstory, I just thought, oh, this is going to be a great interview. And you mm. have offered so much wisdom, so much insight, and just showing up as you. And I appreciate it. And I know our guests will, too.
2: Thank you. Uh, I do have a quick ask for your audience, if you don't mind. It takes me minutes. Please seconds. do. Okay. All right, guys, so you don't see what else entails with Sarah running what she does. The editing and the man, you know, time commitment, the financial commitment, what have you. Running a podcast, I do it myself. you see seen the tip of the iceberg if that, <laughs> right? So if you would do me a quick favor, it's gonna take you literally 27 seconds, I promise you. Right? You can tag me on social media and call me a liar if I'm wrong. Whatever podcast app you're on, uh, go there right now and hit subscribe and leave a review. And you don't have to say anything long. You can just say, great chat, love the show. That's all you have to say. The reason being is because those podcast apps, that's what they look for. That's how somebody like Sarah, somebody like myself, that's how our show continues to grow our audience and reach more people. It's the most important thing you can do and that she can get to help her continue to grow her audience. So I'd be super grateful if you do that. It's like leaving a tip for your waiter or your waitress as a thank you for providing value for your life.
1: Wow. Well, thank you so much. That's super. And the better thing than a tip is there's no taxes. So there's no
2: taxes. It's 100% free.
1: It is hundred percent free. Twenty-seven seconds. That's it.
2: There are three, there are free things in life.
1: There are, and yeah, yeah there are. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Okay, yeah. Chris. Thanks so much, and super um, super talking to you today. I wish you all the best going forward. Thank you. Likewise.